0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 27th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosper I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. A quick show coming up for you today. But before we dive into that, of course, had a couple of fun game fives. In the NBA playoffs on Wednesday as the Washington Wizards take a 3-2 series lead over the over the Atlanta Hawks. Almost forgot who they were playing. Uh, and, of course, the Boston Celtics defeating the Chicago Bulls running away in the fourth quarter thanks to a strong performance from Isaiah Thomas as well as the other Celtics crew as they take a 3-2 series lead over the Bulls. For a complete recap of those games, uh, and really just uh, just to stay uh, on top of the NBA playoffs in general, I highly suggest that you go out and check out some of the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to learn more about the Boston Celtics win, check out Locked On Celtics, the guys over at Locked On Celtics, one of my favorite podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sorry, everyone else. Um, they do a great job covering uh, one of the most storied franchises in the league. A uh, really fun show there. I'm sure they have a lot to say. and. Special episode as well on the Locked On NBA feed. A couple of uh, recaps of the Western and Eastern Conference playoffs with uh, some other members of the Locked On Podcast Network. So be sure to check that out. Of course, also on top of the NBA stuff, and and really every NBA team is covered in the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you're any team you're looking for, you can find a, a podcast for you there. Speaking of the Locked On Podcast Network, though, Thursday... Is the beginning of the NFL draft it snuck up on me too because I mostly don't follow the NFL but if I did I would certainly follow a lot of the podcasts on the Locked On NFL Podcast Network. Got Locked On NFL of course is, is a great podcast. Uh, we've uh, talked with uh, Locked On Falcons in the past covering the Falcons. Uh, there's a Locked On Bucks. There's a Locked On Jaguars. There's a Locked On Dolphins. Be sure to check those out as I'm sure they have the NFL draft completely covered for the for. The team that you're looking for. I know not everyone in Florida is a, one of the fans of one of the Florida teams. Uh, most of the NFL is covered by the Lockdown Podcast Network. So just like with, with NBA teams, you go into Audio Boom or iTunes, search Lockdown and the team you're looking for, and you will find a, a daily podcast for the team that you care about. It's a big, to- big time for the NFL. On today's episode of On Magic, though, we're going to keep going with our player evaluations and talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon. Today is going to be an Aaron Gordon-centric episode uh, as he had an interesting season, to say the least. And so let's dive right into it with Mr. Gordon. Aaron Gordon's season really started out as an experiment. And I think that's how you have to view Aaron Gordon's season this, this year. The team decided it was going to change its roster make, roster makeup. They went out and got Serge Ibaka. They went out and got Bismarck Biombo. They kept Nikola Vucevic. The only way to play Aaron Gordon in that situation, or play meaningful minutes, the kind of minutes that his talent deserved and proved it deserved with the way he ended the 2016 season, was to move him to small forward. And conventional wisdom said, no, don't do that. He's a power forward. And that is generally correct. Gordon would tell you he's a Ford. Play him play him wherever you want to play him. He's going to do what he does. He's not someone that kind of goes against the grain. And to his credit, he never complained. Because the move to small Ford wasn't a disaster. But it was um, inconsistent, to say the least. Gordon played almost exclusively at the small forward position. And, and the idea that the Magic had was to, to play him sort of like Paul George, let him run some pick and rolls, put him on the ball, let him attack. And it became, let him shoot threes too. It became very apparent early on in the season that those those were just not skills that he had. He w- didn't have a nice tight dribble to drive on, on opponents. He didn't have a fluid jumper to get his shot off quickly against against quicker defenders. He didn't have the three-point shot to keep teams honest on the perimeter. And so this this big experiment that the whole season turned on ended up not working. Now, Gordon still averaged a career-high 12.7 points per game, still was around his career average with 5.1 rebounds per game, shot 45.4% from the floor for the season, 28.8% from beyond the arc, which isn't great. Free throw percentage shot up to 71.9, which was good. But Gordon, before the All-Star break compared to after the All-Star break when he was moved back to power forward thanks to the trade of Serge Ibaka, was rough, to say the least. Before the All-Star break, Gordon averaged 11.2 points per game, shot 42.8% from the floor, and just 4.6 rebounds per game. He was 29.2% from beyond the arc and 65% from the foul line. That's probably not as important. His usage rate dipped to 19.7%. It didn't take a genius to watch Gordon play and say it just doesn't look right. Gordon had his moments. Don't get me wrong. Gordon had his moments where you really believed he was going to make it, that he could make it. On the offensive end, because we're all we're all talking about his offense here. I'll get to his defense in a little bit. It really looked like at times Gordon could make it. He had that big 30 point game against the Clippers, a couple 30 point games against the Clippers. Uh he was able to attack sometimes off the dribble. His, his jumper was just inconsistent. It it sometimes felt like he felt like he had to play the Paul George role rather than just be Aaron Gordon. It's a general problem throughout the roster and throughout the season. But that's not who Aaron Gordon is. That's not the kind of player Aaron Gordon is. And the athletic gifts that he has were blunted by the crowd crowded paint that he had to drive into and by the fact that while he is a top-end athlete, his athletic advantage decreases when you put him up against when you have small forwards defending him because they have the speed to keep up with him. And not only that, he has a longer way to go to get from the three-point line to the basket rather than maybe catching it in the pinch post or mid-post area like he would as a power forward. And the proof there is in the pudding too. As I noted on last week, and one of the things that that went right, you can go back and listen to the archives of, of the Lockdown Magic podcast, Um. One of the things that went right is we found out with no uncertainty, and even Frank Vogel said this toward the end of the year, Aaron Gordon is a power forward. After the All-Star break, he averaged 16.4 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game. He was minus 4.4 per game before the All-Star break. After the All-Star break, a much bigger impact on the floor, minus 0.2 per game. Team had a 116 offensive rating with him on the floor. Shot 50.3% From the floor, 58.1% true shooting percentage. Aaron Gordon, while not maybe the traditional way we would define a star, looked more like a star in the second half of the season after the All-Star break. Working closer to the basket helped. Knowing that he had the speed and athleticism advantage over many of his defenders to drive on them and get into a shot in rhythm helped. Made him a better player. And so we now know Aaron Gordon's a power forward. What was upsetting about this year then is that in a year where the Magic felt like they were going playoffs or bust, they ran an experiment which many people before the season would say, this isn't going to work. This is stupid. And maybe that's a little harsh. So maybe I should rephrase it to say, I don't think this is going to work the advantages he has at power forward are evident. He just doesn't have the shot to be a small forward, and, and there were plenty of think pieces about that before the season. Compared to after after the All-Star break, when he was at power forward, and it just felt like things were natural. He was scoring much more consistently. You know, when before the All-Star break, he would have a game where he'd score 18, 20 points, and then the next night he'd score 6 or 7 or 8. After the All-Star break, it was always 14, 15, 16, 17, 20, 22, you know, pretty consistent. His averaging 16 points per game felt normal, felt regular, and it felt like something that he can do moving forward. Kind of like when Victor Oladipo played point guard, Aaron Gordon is going to benefit from the skills that he learned trying to play small forward on offense. It's going to make him a better player. It already has made him a better player. But that's not an experiment you run when the stakes are at their highest. You got to give Aaron Gordon a lot of credit. He was game to try whatever the magic threw at him. He never seemed to complain about the challenges or the difficulties. He seemed always up for the challenge. And that's a good sign for a young player like Gordon. Because he does have the ability to do so much. And we saw that in games throughout the the end of the season, how much of an impact he can make when you put him around the basket, let him get out on the run, and give him some space to attack. That was something that everyone was missing at the beginning of the season. At the same time, though, we've never seen Aaron Gordon do any of this for a full season. And believe it or not, it is decision time for Aaron Gordon. He will be eligible for contract extension this summer. If if they don't come to an agreement by October 31st, he will become a restricted free agent at the end of the 2018 season. That's a lot of pressure now on Gordon to finally define himself. This player who has always been simply a bundle of potential now has to define himself. And so while Gordon did a lot of really good things, and I haven't even gotten to his defense, which was stellar. If there's one area that always made you believe maybe the small forward thing can work or maybe it's worth continued exploration, it is the fact that he is the best perimeter defender on the team. And I think we all see it, a potential all-defensive team player, In the future. Not this year yet. He's not there yet. But he is a potential all-defensive team player moving forward. That's not enough to keep him at small forward, though, because the offense was such a struggle. And they'll find ways to get Gordon on the best perimeter defender when it matters. They did that toward the end of the season, too. And so Gordon at least has defined him defined one NBA skill for himself. His defense, I think, is near elite already. It's 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 getting it's not consistently elite yet, but it's getting there. And I think another summer of working, hopefully a healthy summer for him, will get him to that next level that he needs to get to, both on both ends of the floor. But for this year, the Magic asked Gordon to develop. Into something that maybe he couldn't develop into. And he took on that task and tried it. God knows he tried it. But it didn't work. Like so many other things this season, it did not work. And so, how do we evaluate Aaron Gordon's season? It's hard to put a letter grade on it. Do you blame him and his development for not getting there? You know, Gordon even said, after the season that playing small forward required him to learn some different footwork and because he injured his ankle right before training camp he kind of lost a lot of a lot of that he lost the ability to work on on it and kind of make it muscle memory i mean he was playing out of position and that hurt the team that hurt him that hurt the team it always seems like something is befalling Gordon. If he can stay healthy this summer and get through training camp healthy, we'll see what Aaron Gordon can define himself as. A lot of the Magic's future rides on what Aaron Gordon can do. It did this season too. And while the Magic may have been trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, he failed to step up to that plate. That's not enough to give up on him by any stretch because he showed plenty to believe in moving forward. But now the pressure really builds and it's time for Gordon to prove himself all over again. So again, we will see what Aaron Gordon becomes after this season. The participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen. And when we talk about Aaron Gordon, you know, I think a big thing to talk about, too, is that 2014 draft class. The Magic invested a lot. In that 2014 draft class. It was essentially. And I do like this. I, I do mean this. Unfortunately. It was essentially the draft class the Magic tanked two years for. They knew that first draft class in 2013 wasn't going to be a good one. And so they, they got Victor Oladipo with the second pick. And that was nice. But they knew Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were the real prizes. And then eventually Joel Embiid and joined that crew. And and this is no knock on Gordon, you can legitimately say when the Magic landed fourth in that draft, they were slated to pick third. When the Magic landed fourth in that draft, there was a lot of disappointment because their fortunes changed. The rebuild that they had envisioned wasn't going to go the way that they thought. With those two first-round picks, the Magic hope to build the foundations for their rebuild. And you can point directly to the 2014 draft as somewhat the point where the team kind of plateaued a bit and didn't quite know what direction to go next. So they already had Victor Oladipo. They already had Tobias Harris. They had Nikola Vucevic. They acquired Evan Fournier that evening. And then they drafted Aaron Gordon, a player that was just all potential. No real definition to him. All potential. Not quite ready to contribute immediately. And then they drafted, then they traded for Alfred Payton, a point guard from a small, from a small school, smaller school, a smaller conference school, to be their point guard of the future. And nobody really knew Nobody really knew whether all these pieces would work. And I think that 2014 draft is the draft you look to to say, this is the draft the Magic needed to hit on. And of course, now that Rob Hennigan's been fired and the Magic have moved on and are trying to figure out what comes next in their rebuild, that's the draft that you sit and think to yourself, could they have done better? And I think that question is is much more complicated. This isn't necessarily saying, oh, you know, if they would have picked this guy who ended up good, but no one thought was going to be good, it would have been better. And you can do that all day long. As uh, Scott Perry, former Orlando Magic Assistant General Manager, Scott Perry, said on a recent episode of BJ and Buker, um, a podcast featuring uh, Bisbeck Biombo's agent, BJ Armstrong, as well as, uh, Bleacher Reports, Rick Bucher. You know, the Magic didn't get lucky. He said on the podcast when we're talking about his team's uh, fortunes in the draft lottery, you know, hindsight can always be twenty twenty. We know this. Luck becomes that in those drafts. Who is available at the very top that is going to become a franchise player? Like a LeBron James, like a Kevin Durant. Unfortunately, those guys were not available when we were a high lottery drafting team. We were never able to draft anyone. Even those guys, it takes two, three, four years to make a mark and get into the playoffs. It takes time. There are two things in that statement. One, the Magic never really had the chance to get the surefire superstar player. Even when you look back at that 2014 NBA draft, who realistically were the options for the Magic to take? At four. The smart money was that they would take Mark, that they would take Dante Axum. That's who everyone believed the Magic would take. They needed a point guard. That was the guy. The safe pick would have been Julius Randle, picked seventh. Randall's played well for the Lakers. There's no doubt about it. He's a very good player. But does he elevate your team? And so the option and the other option was Marcus Smart, who was taken sixth. A non-shooting point guard, you know, who, you know, again, the Magic ended up doing that anyway, but they knew Alfred Payton was going to be available in the back end, and were, they were willing to do what it took to get him. If you look at that pick, 10th pick, Zach Levine's the only name that pops up. And the question, I think, with Levine was, could he play point guard next to Victor Oladipo? Or could Victor Oladipo play point guard next to him? You know, maybe that was a case where the Magic drafted on need when they should have drafted ability. And And I think that is a legitimate thing to say about that group about that the way about the way the magic handled that 10th twelfth pick that they that they had but at that four the magic swung for the fences with Aaron Gordon they decided to take a risk this is a draft we need to hit on we need to get the guy with the most star potential and out of all those guys that I named Exum, smart Randall Gordon you can go down to Stauskas, maybe even vonley at nine Aaron Gordon was the one with the most star potential at 4. And so I think the magic rightly swung for the fences. And when it comes to the draft, and we'll talk more about the draft in the coming weeks, but when it comes to the draft, you're just you're looking of course to make a good bet and find a star if you can get one. And the higher you pick, the more, you know, the pressure is there to hit on that pick. One way or another. And the higher you are, the bigger that hit needs to be. But you need to just get you need to get a player that can contribute. You can't get a complete bust. And so they got Gordon, who is clearly an NBA player and probably a starter in this league. They picked up Alfred Payton, who has started for the last three years essentially. And at the very least, is, is going to be a solid bench contributor for, a few, for for a while. They got someone who can play NBA basketball, so I'm not I can't sit here and say those were bad picks. Could they have done a little better? Perhaps. hindsight would say yeah. Drafting you know Gordon and Levine or Gordon and even Rodney Hood, who was drafted uh, much, who was drafted 23rd but was in the talks at 12. If I remember correctly, I I had him I, back back then. Um, my lotter my draft, my mock draft in 2014 had the Magic taking Dante Exum and Rodney Hood. So I would definitely have thought about Rodney Hood hard at at 10 or at 12, probably more than Levine. And you can watch him play for the Utah Jazz and how well he's playing. So the Magic certainly could have done better with this draft, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, they did okay. They didn't take Doug McDermott. They didn't take T.J. Warren or Adrian Payne. They didn't take James Young. The point of all this is to say the draft is a much bigger crapshoot than people think. There are no guarantees. And while you may not hit a home run when you need to hit a home run, when you need an, R, when you need an RBI double and you hit a single, you know maybe you advance the runners a little bit. The Magic didn't need a home run in this thing. The Magic probably needed a, a triple or a home run in this draft. They ended up maybe with two single with a, with a double and a single to, to continue the baseball analogy. And that doesn't mean they did poorly. But it also means they probably didn't do well enough. And some of that was out of their control. The the ping pong balls did not fall in their favor. But as Alex has said. A GM has got to make his own luck sometimes. And sometimes you need to hit a little bit more and do a little bit better than acceptable. That's what happens. That's that's why we're sitting here right now. Is the pressure to win got too great and the magic hit too many singles didn't bring home any runs. So let's play another lottery. Yep, that's right. It's time once again for our daily series here. Hashtag one lottery per day. We are 20 days away, 19 days away, from the NBA draft lottery on May 16th. So we're going to continue to simulate uh, an NBA draft, uh, an NBA lottery every day here on the show. Send me your one lottery per day. Run it once, just once. Send them to me on Twitter at LockedOnMagic as well as at Daily. I'll share some of my favorites as well as some comments and post some philosophical questions about the NBA draft lottery. So far, we've run this 10 times. Run through the stats like I did yesterday. Run this 10 times. The Magic have landed the first, second, and third pick twice each. The sixth and seventh pick twice. Have not landed the fifth pick yet. And of course, in 10 tries of the one lottery per day, hashtag one lottery per day, the Magic have received the Lakers pick six times and have not gotten the Lakers pick four times. So let's sim the lottery for today. Well, could be worse, could be better. And So I'm going to pose this question. So our lottery results today. The Los Angeles Lakers win the lottery. It is their third time winning the lottery in this uh, in this uh, one lottery, in the hashtag one lottery per day. So Red 11, they've won three times. Phoenix 2nd, Boston, Brooklyn 3rd, which means Orlando stays at 5. Knowing the odds, so this is a question I'm going to pose to, to the listeners. I'm curious what your answers are. So send send me your answers on Twitter at LockedOnMagic or at OMagicDaily. Oh I'm curious what what your thoughts are here. Considering the odds are the Magic have the best chance at landing the 6th pick. Would you give up the Lakers pick, no matter where that ends up, to stay at five? Essentially, and I posed this question another way earlier this week. And would you give up the Lakers pick to guarantee a top three spot? So I guess what I really want to know from you all, so you can send your responses at locked on magic as well as at omagic daily, is at what point, at what at what pick? Is it okay that the Magic do not get the Lakers pick? At what pick is it okay that the Magic do not get the Lakers pick? Send me your responses on Twitter at Locked on Magic or at oh Magic Daily. Of course, you can also check us out on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can send us responses there as well. And, of course, on Facebook at OrlandoMagicDaily. You can follow me on Twitter at oh Magic Daily. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Continuing some season recap stuff up on the website. I have a statistical profile up tomorrow as well as Aaron Gordon's player evaluation uh, on the website today as well. And of course, we'll be keeping track of the latest going on with the Orlando Magic. Still waiting on word about the GM. I, 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 I'm going to tell everyone to be a little bit patient with it. I think that things will pick up once the first round of the playoffs ends, uh, which some uh, some of them could end tomorrow. We got some game sixes in the NBA tomorrow. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can find them on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, and in all fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Wright. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99.